But many other people who heard their message believed it. So the number now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? So Peter and John are speaking to the people in the temple. You know, the, the, the undeniable power of God has just been outworked. You know, a man who has been lame for 40 years has been healed. And what happens? Well, Peter and John are confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, you know, the Sadducees. You know, these aren't just the local people in the community. You know, these, these, these are very important people. You know, this is like, they, they, well, basically, they represented the higher government. You know, this is like your MPs showing up. You know, what would you be thinking? How would you be feeling? Would you be thinking, man, I need to watch what I'm going to say here? In verse 2, the leaders were disturbed that Peter and John were teaching that there is a resurrection of the dead. This is basically the gospel. So why are these leaders so disturbed? You know, what's concerning them? What's worrying them? What's offending them? I want to ask you this morning, have you had moments where people have been offended or people have been disturbed by what you believe? You know, how do you react? Verse 3, we read on. Peter and John arrested and put in jail until the morning. You know, this is crazy. This is like the leader's way of like temporarily dealing with him, just taking him off the street. You know, it's their way of like, I don't know, preserving the public view, I guess. You know, imagine for one second, you're, you're praying for a man who has spent his whole life imprisoned by an illness then finding yourself imprisoned for merely praying for him. You know, this lame man at this temple gate, he's been sitting there for 40 years, yet no one met his need but Peter and John. And verse 4, despite this, we see that people heard and believed their message. The number totaled to 5,000 people. You know, despite Peter and John being locked up, the gospel is still being outworked. God is still advancing his kingdom. But here's where it starts getting a bit more interesting. Verse 5 and 6, we read, All the rulers and elders gathered together, and the teachers of religious law. You know, not just them, but the high priest, the father of the high priest, and the relatives of the high priest too. I mean, this... this this was a big statement. You know, it's, it's like the state opening of Parliament. It's like having the, the House of Commons and the House of Lords and the royal family all gathered together in one place. You know, this is, this is a massive statement. You know, nowadays you could, you could commit the gravest offence possible and you wouldn't get our reaction. You could commit manslaughter, murder, commit an offence against the royal family, 
just wouldn't get our reaction. You know, this was a big offense that they had committed. You know, imagine being surrounded by all these people, basically everyone who was important in Jerusalem, everyone who was crucial or instrumental in crucifying Jesus. You know, these were people who could decide whether you live or die. You know, what were Peter and John thinking? You know, how would they be feeling? How would you be feeling if you were in that situation? You know, I know what I'd be feeling. I'd be feeling stressed. I'd be feeling panicky. You know, if I was in that, that prison cell, I'd be, I'd be kicking the cell door. I'd be banging on it. I'd be rattling the bars. I'd be screaming. No, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. All those people who walked past that lame man for 40 years and did nothing, they're the ones who deserve to be here. I'd also be thinking, man, I need a good solicitor. <laughs> you know, this, this situation is indescribable. You know, I work as a prison officer, and I've been doing that job for almost 12 years. And I've got some knowledge of the criminal justice system and how the courts work. But this, this is a crazy situation. To be honest, I think this is, a, uh, this is an over-exaggeration. But the leaders believe that a major offence has taken place. Why? Because their authority as leaders has been undermined. And we pick it up in verse 7. It says this, By what power... Or in whose name have you done this? So how does Peter respond? Well, let's read Acts 4, verse 8 to 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So how does he respond? He preaches the gospel. And that's the first point I want to make, is that the Spirit gives boldness to proclaim the gospel. I want to ask, is Peter insane here? You know, his life is in the hands of these rulers, these leaders. But rather than defend himself, he's defending Christ. You know, before Jesus was crucified, Peter was quick to deny to anyone that he knew Jesus. And yet here he is, before the whole of Israel, undeniably proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And this is one of my favorite parts. Because what Peter does next, or what he does through this, is he basically annihilates the Jewish council with his words, because he points out that it's not, it's not a crime to do a good deed. Verse 9 says, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? 
Then point two, he points out that they crucified Jesus. He says, the man that you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Then he uses Old Testament scripture to back it up. He uses Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You know, this, the Jewish leaders would have known this scripture well because they are the ones responsible for teaching this. I'm kind of confused between who's on trial here. Is it Peter and John or is it the Jewish leaders? But then, if that's not enough, he gives them like a big kind of slap in the face because he goes on and declares that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. He says, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You know, let's not forget, Jerusalem had a religion. It was called Judaism. So this was the most offensive thing to say to the leaders of Judaism. And it was the most offensive thing to say in 30 AD. And just as offensive as it was in 30 AD, it is the most offensive thing to say in 2016. You know, imagine walking into your local mosque and declaring, salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. I mean, that's crazy. I'd be lucky to get out of there alive. But that's dynamic boldness. You know, I'm, 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 I'm literally lost for words. Like, I, I, I just can't get around. I can't get my head around Peter's boldness. You know, I'm an introvert. And for me, I can't simply just walk up to someone and just start a conversation. Like, I actually find it really, really difficult. Like, I'm, re- I'm really shy. Despite what's going on here, I'm actually really shy. You know, as a church, we want to welcome and encourage new people. And if you're new here today, you are so welcome here. But it's going to be a while before I come and talk to you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I'm really shy. You know, for years I've been telling myself, yeah, you know, God's given me the gift of listening. I mean, what is that? It's rubbish. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know just how, you know just how great I am at listening, speak to my wife. She'll tell you, there's nothing God-given about my gift of listening. But when I read about Peter, he's an ordinary person, like me. He's chosen to follow Jesus. I've chosen to follow Jesus. He's denied Jesus. Yep, I can tick that box. Now, he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's seen the lame healed And he's seen the church grow to 5,000 people. And I? I've hidden myself away behind my bass guitar. I don't want that. I want this. I want this dynamic boldness. I want Peter's boldness. You know, when a church announces an outreach event or... Or, or like a, a, a social evening or a great opportunity to evangelize. You know, I'm not thinking, wow, a great opportunity to evangelize. No, I'm the one up there just hiding behind my guitar. I'm hoping the worship leader moves in front of me. Or I'm out there, I'm sinking lower and lower in my seat. 
You know, I'm getting my phone out thinking, you know, I really hope I'm working. Weekend on, no, weekend off, weekend on, weekend off. Oh, no. I'm actually going to have to talk to people. I don't want that. I don't want to be like that. You know, proclaiming means to shout aloud. It means to declare. It means to get the message out there. Church, I want to ask this morning, when was the last time that we proclaimed the gospel? When did we last tell people about Jesus? Church, it is simply not enough updating your Facebook status from atheist to Christian or retweeting that Mark Driscoll tweet from like three years ago. You know, I think as a church in general, we've lost our proclamation. I think as a church in general, we lack boldness. We lack confidence. We'll have the courage to tell people about Jesus. You know, we give in to fear too easily. I know I do. You know, I'm not saying this to offend you, but I'm saying this because I've been offended myself. I'm offended by what's going on in here. You know, the world doesn't help us either. The world says you can be pro-gay marriage. But as soon as you start saying that marriage is between a man and a woman united by God, whoa, open up a can of worms there. Or you can curse Jesus Christ. You know, you can say stuff like, oh, Jesus wept, or for Christ's sake. But as soon as you say, for Allah's sake, man, you're in trouble. In a church, the, the Spirit gives boldness. And it's boldness to proclaim the gospel. Like, I'm blown away by Peter's boldness. Like, I, want, I want that boldness. I want that dynamic boldness. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking the same as me, like you want that boldness. At the end, let's pray together. Let's come alongside one another. And let's get our proclamation back. Next point I want to make is that the Spirit gives boldness to prove the gospel. We're continuing reading Acts 4, verse 13 to 15. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chambers and conferred among themselves. Now, so the leaders are amazed at the boldness of Peter and John. You know, they've, they've, they can see that they received no special training because it would have been them who would have given him that training in the scriptures. You know, they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. I want to ask you today what do people recognize about you? Do they recognize Jesus? Or are they simply seeing someone else? You know, what about when you get angry or impatient or hungry or tired or hurt? How are you proving that Jesus has transformed your life? 
I'll leave that one with you. Verse 14 goes on. We read that the testimony of God's healing power was standing in front of him. But since they could see the man who'd been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing that the council could say. Church, I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you saw the Spirit of God move like that? When someone just got up and walked. You know, it was great last Sunday just to hear some testimonies of God's healing power, you know, two, three, five, ten years ago. You know, that's great. God is great. We must never forget how good he is. He's incredible. And it was great to hear that last Sunday, Lynn got healed too. And why not today? Because it's the same miraculous God at work back then as he is today. If people aren't seeing the evidence of God's power in the church, what hope is there of them seeing it outside of the church? You know, sometimes I think there's this, this, this over-dependence on hearing from God. You know, we kind, of, we kind of get tangled up in this web of, like, of, you know, is God really telling me to do this? Should I really be praying for this person? When Matthew 10, verse 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received... Freely give. I mean, church, if that's not a green light, I don't know what is. Church, the Spirit gives boldness, and it is boldness to prove the gospel. Let's continue reading. Acts 4, verse 16 to 18. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them never to speak of, to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Now, a miraculous sign cannot be denied. You know, a sign points people to Jesus. Church, I want to ask you this morning, where is the miraculous in our lives? What areas of our lives point people to Jesus? Do people know you're a Christian? Verse 17 and 18, you know, the leaders want to stop the spreading of the gospel and the apostles are called in and they're warned not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. Guys, opposition is real. You know, people are going to tell you not to speak about Jesus. Because talking about Jesus is offensive. The gospel is offensive. It goes against what the world believes. And people don't want to go against the world. You know, there was this story a few years ago of a lady called Nadia Ueda who was sacked by British Airways for openly wearing her cross. And the British courts, you know, they ruled against her. Unbelievable, British courts. You know, we're supposed to be this Christian country, and they ruled against her. 
And the European Court of Human Rights ruled in favor of her. And she got her job back. You know, in the coming chapters of Acts, we're going to read more about opposition and persecution. It becomes quite a big thing. So I don't want to cover it too much, but I just want you to remember, the Spirit gives boldness in every situation. And remember, Romans 8 verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? So after being warned not to speak to anyone about Jesus, what do Peter and John do? We can read verse 19. Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. I want to ask, are they insane? No. They're just two ordinary people. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with a boldness to proclaim the gospel and a boldness to prove it. And how does this story end? Well, we can read on. The council then threatened them further, but finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. How does it end? Just how it started in chapter 3. Everyone praising God for this miraculous healing. Now, church, the Spirit gives boldness to proclaim the gospel and gives boldness to prove it. Phil Moore, in his commentary, Straight to the Heart of Acts, writes this. Peter, and John, uh, sorry, Peter had seen that Jesus was Lord, even over death itself. So he no longer feared dying. The man who is not afraid to die can never be silenced. How did the early church grow? Through spirit-filled people with an insatiable hunger for knowing God and knowing Jesus. You know, Jesus is a perfect example of dynamic boldness. You know, he confronted, he criticized, he challenged these religious leaders. You know, he hung out with ordinary people. He healed on the Sabbath. He silenced the storm. He walked on water. And he kicked the traders out of the temple. I mean, this man had boldness. But he had the Holy Spirit with him. And so did Peter and John. And Peter and John understood that. You know, I've just recently been promoted at work. I'm now what's called a senior prison officer. So rather than managing a small number of offenders, I now oversee about 200 prisoners and, well, about, roughly about 20 staff. And it's what God's been calling me to this past year. But I've been reluctant to accept it. I was afraid. Now, I thought he was leading me in a different direction. But it's only now that I've actually been bold enough to go for it. And as it turns out, it's actually okay. Like, I actually prefer it because I actually get to, to, uh, to, to teach staff. I get to mentor staff. I get to coach them. I get to guide them. 
You know, I was afraid to go for it. And I feared that responsibility. And now, I'm still learning to be bold. You know, I'm offended by this. I'm offended by Peter's boldness. He's an ordinary man with the Holy Spirit, and I'm no different. You know, we all have a responsibility to share the gospel, and it's a responsibility that shouldn't be feared. Because the Spirit gives boldness. God says this to Joshua. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Jesus says this. I've told you all this so that in me you may have peace. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I'll have the band back up, please. Church, I want to ask this morning... How bold are we? Are we confident in telling people about Jesus? Do we tell people about Jesus? Are we afraid of what people might think of us? How do we react when we face opposition? When we're challenged on issues like gay marriage? You know, are we scared? Do we run away? You know, is what you're saying on social media sites like Facebook and Twitter... Is it the same that you'd say to a person face to face? Are we regularly seeing signs and wonders? You know, in everyday life situations like school gates, you're at a shop or you're in work or, or, or in your car or you're with your children or your family or your friends, you know, how are you proving the good news of the gospel? Does that change when you're tired and you're stressed? Or your hurt. Church for Spirit gives boldness, boldness to proclaim the gospel, and it's a boldness to prove the gospel. And that's in every situation. I want to ask if you're a visitor here this morning. I know I said earlier it'd be a little while before I come and talk to you, but I want to talk to you. And I'd love it if you guys have couple of minutes just to spare and talk with me or talk with other people. We want to get to know you. We want to tell you about Jesus. You know, Jesus has transformed my life. He's transformed our lives. And he continues to do so through his spirit. If you've been coming to church for quite some time, if you call yourself a Christian and you haven't received the Holy Spirit. What are you waiting for? Now, we've heard already in the series, the Spirit gives power, the Spirit gives authority. Today, the Spirit gives boldness. Don't wait till the end of the series to find out everything that the Spirit gives. Come and receive the Spirit today.
And if, you're, if you've been coming to this church for some time now, like myself, perhaps you're in a leadership position. Perhaps you lack boldness. Make that decision today. As the band leads us in worship, come and respond. We can be filled and refilled again with his spirit. Why don't we stand?